Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm Brennan Pointer, owner of Spokecast and co-host and producer of the If Not Now, When podcast. The other co-host and founder of the podcast, Joshua Hassong and I, wanted to reserve this space for the sponsors of the show. Our original idea was, let's talk about HDG Architecture and Nudo Ramen House since they're both Josh's businesses. I wrestled with how to do that, and then it hit me. Since this podcast is all about featuring the people in Spokane that are making a difference, I thought it would only be appropriate to talk about the if not now when originator, Joshua Hisong. Before this idea ever existed, Josh was already hard at work building long-standing downtown businesses, those being HDG Architecture and Nudo Ramen House. So if you're looking for a partner to help you elevate your home and workspace, then you should look no further than HDG Architecture. And if you're looking for the most delicious goddamn bowl of ramen you'll find in Spokane, then take your taste buds to Nudo Ramen House on the corner of Sprague and Monroe. And that's as salesy as I'm going to get. It's truly businesses like these that keep our downtown Spokane vibrant and thriving. Choosing to support them will not only make our community better, but they will also hopefully inspire other local business owners to make their home base in Lilac City's downtown core. So here's a challenge to you. Anyone listening to this, no matter where you're at, you can choose to be someone who does nothing or you can choose to be someone who makes a difference. Like Josh and the guests on this podcast, I choose to be a difference maker. Because if not now, then when? Enjoy the podcast. Hey listeners, my name is Josh Hislong and I'm the founder of HDG Architecture in Spokane. I'd like to welcome you to If Not Now, When, a podcast that aims to explore topics around the city of Spokane, past, present, and maybe most importantly, the future. To my left is Brennan Pointer, founder of Spokast, the show's producer, my collaborator, and the real brains in the room. Over the next year, Brennan and I will host a variety of guests covering a range of topics. On each episode, we sit down with folks who call Spokane home. We'll talk to business owners, city officials, journalists, professors, athletes, and everyday people with a voice or reason to speak. So it goes without saying that we care about the city and more so the health of downtown. It's where we live, work, play, send our kids to school, dine, vote, shop. And if we do these things well, we set up the next generation to carry on the momentum we and our predecessors helped to build. Each of us has the ability, and dare I say calling, to be an agent of change in some way. So this is also a call to action. You get to help shape the narrative. We hope that you find value here, and if you do, please tell your friends to check it out. Again, this podcast is titled, If Not Now, When. Thanks a lot for being here. Um, okay, you want to start it off? You may start Sure. Yeah. Uh well, I, I should say we're honored to have you two uh, celebrated Spokenites <laughs> on the podcast. And uh, Josh, I would love for you to get this started by introducing our first guest. So so I'm going to introduce Dan um, just because we're good friends and um, he's kind of a, a mentor, even though we're pretty similar in age. <laughs> I grew up a little slower than than he did. Um, and Dan, Dan is... Uh, 
Dan is someone that I feel knows uh, a little bit of everything. And the easy way is just to call him a Renaissance guy. I mean, um, one day he's playing, you know, bass uh, in a in a rock band. The next day he's rebuilding the engine on an old car or he decided to learn to build his own cabinets. He paints, he writes, he, and he paints really well. Like, I want to be clear about that. Um, he doesn't just paint the way I would paint. He, he is good. Um, and so I'm excited to have him on the podcast, um, partially because he has watched, uh, from a front row seat the last 30 years, right across the street from the studio here. Um, and previous to that, the other 27 ish years uh, from Spokane, mm. um, with a couple stents of traveling in between, but, um, he's been here from, from the get go. So I think he'll have some good insights on, on what downtown is today, what it was in, you know, the eighties and nineties and what he feels it could be with some changes. So, mm. and then I just have a man crush on Jess. So <laughs> that's why I wanted to, you know, have him on. So totally. So welcome, Dan. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and Jess, I'm sorry, I don't really know you that well. I wrote a I wrote an intro for you. We kind of split this, and uh, but I uh, I mean I just gotta say like you're you really don't need an introduction, Jess Walter. You are an award winning writer. You have a deep connection with Spokane, and President Barack Obama put y your novel that's mostly based in Spokane, We Live in Water, on his. Uh, favorite novels of 2019 and uh, you have such a connection with this city i think your your name's synonymous with it and you're homegrown and you're i'm proud mm -hmm. i'm a proud Absolutely. resident of spokane and i'm proud to have you come from spokane and tell people that i that you live here it's oh, a, such a, it's a, such an honor and uh i think today on our podcast we're going to ex explore all that and just kind of talk about what we can do to help improve our downtown core and really just get your perspective, both of your perspective on growing up here, uh, becoming adults here and how you see the future landscape of our city. So uh, I'm excited to start this conversation. And that, I mean, the first question I really wanted to start off with is, well, first, how did, how did, yeah, how did you guys uh, meet? How did you meet? Yeah. Well, we went to high school together, prestigious uh, private school called East Valley High School. Um, <laughs> and then yes, uh, you very did. exclusive. Very yes, exclusive. you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, even more difficult back then to get in. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard this man uh, give like, talks more than once, and he, he, he refers to East Valley as not so much a school as a bong and nunchuck factory yeah that was that's <laughs> where we, not too far from the truth that's where we went to high school yeah um, so it was the sister school to post falls high school pretty much that's good i think that's there good. were a lot of schools like that maybe yeah. in the 80s but yeah and then we've just been friends you know i echo what you said to have a friend as creative as dan in so many different pursuits yeah um and and you can be an artist and you can live an artistic life and that's what i've always admired about dan is you know someone who um doesn't look at everything the way the rest of us does, yeah. but as an opportunity to create, to build, make better. Uh, yeah. And so to have, you know, and I, and I still remember a day when we were sitting out um, at one of Dan's coffee shops and he looked at me and said, we're the dads now. Mm -hmm. Like this is our town. <laughs> yeah. We, if it's going to get better, we're going to have to, 
you know, make mm. it better. And, I thought about um, that. Yeah. And out of that, you know, I think both of us sort of recommitted to not just, you know, complaining that our favorite bar had closed in Spokane or, mm. you know, yeah. that, that we wished, you know, downtown was more vibrant, but to say, to seeing like, as, as I write in, in the book that you mentioned, we live in water, there are two things you can do with your better, with your town, find a way to make it better or find a better place to live. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think we both, I think probably about 20 years ago, kind of looked at each other and said, you know, this, if we, we can make this place better in some ways. Hmm. Here's your next T-shirt. Yeah. Spokane. Love it or leave it. Love it or leave it. Yeah. 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 I don't even know where that came from. No, but yeah. it up there. Yeah. Up there. Um, I would just like it or leave it. Yeah. Like, or like it or don't leave it. Well, and I think all of us are here because we do like it. And and I didn't grow up in Spokane, but but I grew up in North Idaho. And Spokane was this shining jewel of a city to me as a little kid. And, and I can remember coming to you know, Macy's and the Crescent and doing our school shopping, um, doing our Christmas shopping and being so enthralled by the, the size of this town and, and the bustle that was downtown. I mean, you, you get out of your car and, and you'd walk five or six blocks to get to the Crescent. And I would just be in awe of everything going on around me because in Post Falls, we didn't even have a downtown to speak of. We had um, stoplights and in taverns, in taverns. Yeah. and that's um, <laughs> you're actually right. When I was a kid, um, and so so Spokane is is a place that you know means a lot to me, and and I've made that commitment to to make it better. And I got tired of leaving a meeting or or whatever it was, and going back to my office and complaining about the state of downtown. Why do we have the bus station dead center in the middle? Why, why can't we figure out a way to um, keep the streets clean? Why? And I would just go and complain, and that gets us absolutely nowhere. And so, I think it was a couple of months ago after a meeting that I just said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try something. I don't know what, but I know enough people who care about this community, and would be willing to talk about it. And somewhere in the midst of this, somebody's gonna say something brilliant, just as you guys did. Um, a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting and, and talked about the distribution of the money that we're donating and where it goes and how it's allocated to helping people that need help, but also keeping the area that is serving those in need, keeping that area clean and safe. And there's no reason why any block in Spokane should ever be off limits for a 16 year old kid or a couple kids to walk through. There just shouldn't. We're a small town. We're not you know, we're not San Francisco or LA or New York. I feel safer in New York in, in most places. So we shouldn't have those neighborhoods that aren't safe. We just shouldn't. So this, this was an opportunity to talk to people that are, that are smarter than myself and have lived here longer. Um, and, uh, and see if there's a way to solve some of these problems and maybe someone will listen if the right person gets on and says it. Um, so that's our hope. Yeah. Totally. I think um, ne neither one of us is an expert in uh, homelessness, crime. I mean, I think we come at it from very different viewpoints. But um, I, I suppose the way I've come to think of it isn't as a Spokane problem. And we aren't uh, mm -hmm. any different than San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles. If you've traveled in the last few years, you know 
every city is facing the exact same issue. Every city has a fentanyl problem that yeah. came out of the opiate crisis that came out of the Sacklers selling um, Oxycontin as if it were bubble candy. Gum. Yeah. Um, every city has a homelessness issue. Every city has a somewhat empty downtown because businesses haven't yeah. returned. And that void has been filled by um, people who need services. Those services have then moved downtown. I think to see this as specifically a Spokane problem and that we are somehow going to rewind the clock to 1952, um, is sort of foolish, honestly. Mm -hmm. The what we're going to do is what every city is going to do: have a multi-pronged approach to solving a problem that isn't them. Um, that's yep. why I called that book "We Live in Water." Yeah. Mm. If you think you're so far removed from someone on the street, you know, I when none I was, of us are. None of us are, and so the first step I think is in saying those, you know, those people that we across the street to avoid how did they get there how do we get them out of there how do we pr start to provide services you know there's there's a saying housing first that um housing advocates use you put people in homes i think a lot of people are sort of frustrated by that because they think that isn't working mm -hmm. right? but i think imagining that there's a simple solution is the first mistake yeah mm. whether it's police whether it's um throwing money at the problem. It is a multi-pronged thing that, um, that I think conversations like this, that, you know, but bringing everyone in from developers to, to law enforcement, mm -hmm. to, um, mental health. You know, yeah. Hmm. Personally. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually great. Um, and I did mention that somebody had said that Boise was really clean and beautiful and everyone was moving there and you kind of like, kibosh that and said, I was just there and it's got the same problem. They have the same fentanyl issue. They have the same homeless issue. Maybe your friend didn't see the, you know, the streets that that was occurring on, but it is occurring everywhere. And, mm. and it made me think back then a couple weeks ago when you said that, that it's, it is a problem everywhere. Um, and, and you said developers that it's, it's a developer problem. It's a city problem. It's a community problem. It's something we all have to do what we can. And, and that brings up, Dan, you're obviously into some development. Um, we've had multiple conversations and you said it incredibly uh, in a really articulate manner the other day, and I'm going to fuck it up. But <laughs> you said, um, you know, when you are lucky enough to, to own a building or to own property, you have a responsibility to your community to take care of it. And, you know, and I, I own some stuff and, and we take care of it. We, we spend way more money than we should keeping it clean and painted every year. And, and, you know, the windows cleaned every week in the summertime and, and, and we we're proud of it. Um, I find that there are a lot of people that really don't care. Um, you being one of the people that you care, you know, your stuff's always clean. You're, you, you, you care about your tenants. Um, I mean, I remember you telling me at the beginning of COVID, like, well, if they can pay rent, great. If they can't, great. You know, like you care about the people that are in your building and it shows, uh, a lot of other people don't. And how do we as a community hold them responsible for that? Uh, I don't think we do. I don't think we do hold them responsible. I think that's on them. Uh, maybe offering a, uh, 
different perspective on the whole thing. You know, I, I like to say I have more of a native American approach to, to yeah. owning. Well, they don't really own anything mm-hmm. historically, but, uh, if you're lucky enough again, to be in a position to, to steer the ship of a pile of bricks yeah. in this city or any other city, you know, that's a, that's a, it's an honor. It's a privilege, but there is a level of responsibility that goes with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way I look at it. It's like, it's a stewardship more than an ownership. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get your mindset out of a monopoly mm-hmm. frame of mind where like you're just collecting properties. And yeah. If you end with the most and you win the game. And I, and I've seen that mentality with a lot of property owners. So like they kind of compare it, what they have with the next guy and that's like a like a game yeah um, so if you can get it get away from that and you, you look at it like you know we're gonna blink and be gone yep and what did we leave behind and that's that's how i try to reset my brain when it goes down the other fast lane of mm-hmm. of, of ownership and propriety and all that so all this to say um i know i think i heard read years ago that in japan maybe countrywide or maybe in just a certain city or two, they actually have an inverse tax structure whereby you are taxed at a higher rate the longer your property sits inactive, hmm. which would be one possible solution to, mm-hmm. at least to this one facet yeah. problem. Because nothing great happens when a building sits empty. No. Uh, all the problems that we're discussing today with, with – um, uh, undesirable activities and elements tend to go away. I've seen it firsthand right down here. Um, You know, we put a four apartments in across the street and it radically changed the complexion of this neighborhood overnight Mm -hmm. just by having Mm -hmm. four people living down here. So just the presence of, of, uh, of, uh, a resident Mm -hmm. of any kind helps a great deal. Uh, just having that presence and, you know, trouble areas tend to move somewhere else yeah. when that, when that element is there. So where was I, where are we headed with this? Well, I mean, I think the idea of, of, you know, a building like the rid path sitting empty for 10 mm. years, they yeah. should have been paying a higher tax rate than, you know, than, than you guys in a building you own trying to keep it up. You're, we're spending money to keep our buildings looking nice these other developers have empty buildings that are causing that undesirable or, or playing a part in allowing it in that area. Because if no one's there to tell you, Hey man, don't take a shit on my, on my entryway. No one's there to say that that's where they're going to, you know, yeah. they have nowhere else to go. Hmm. Yeah. So I think when, when this, we're having this discussion, my mind goes to, if, if you're going to, if you're going to be a part of this, be mm-hmm. a part of this, you yeah. know, if you're going to buy a structure or you're going to buy dirt in the in the downtown core here yeah get into it be be responsible actively don't what i what i've noticed is there's a there's a propensity to just wait around and wait for the next guy to do his thing so that you can capitalize and watch your property values grow without doing much yeah anything so if everyone does that we go nowhere mm-hmm. well and the other issue is it's it's not as if we're in a situation where you can't have the field of dreams moment literally if you build an apartment building in spokane 
you will have a list of tenants waiting to move in, no matter what the price, whether it's market rate, high end, um, we have a lack of housing in Spokane. Um, and I actually spent some time on the phone with um, the owner of Vaughan Timbers out of Colville. And he was talking about what COVID did on the overall um, for house construction, new home construction. Um, and there's an, there's an average, there's the baseline. And that baseline dropped 70% in 2020. And it stayed dropped like 68% in 2021. And so not only are we needing to get back up to that baseline, but now we have to catch up um, on the two years that we missed. Um, and it's, it's an exorbitant amount of homes nationwide that we're lacking. Um, I think we see it in Spokane. Um, I think the, uh, the other problem is people see it as an opportunity. Um, you know, the, the more difficult it is to, to buy something or rent something, the more money you can get if you have that thing, that shiny thing that people want. And so you see these kind of dilapidated apartments where people are asking 1500 a month for, uh, you know, a 500 square foot shit box with a refrigerator that doesn't work. But if you have no choice, that's, you have to rent it. And all of a sudden, um, you feel again, like you don't have to improve your stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think if we, if people realize that, that, um, there, there would be no vacancy rate if they built apartments in their buildings that they might push forward and it does help a neighborhood, just like you said, I mean, you said overnight, we had the same thing in our building. There were people living behind the building and, and there was that little red building on third Avenue that, um, that was vacant as well. And it was kind of like Subaru was dealing with a lot of issues over there. Mm -hmm. Um, and as soon as we rebuilt that building and the apartment, it kind of went away. Um, we don't have the same issues that we did when we were, when we were under construction, mm -hmm. once there's life happening in a building, it, it helps change it. You know, there's been a lot of talk too about, you know, finger pointing my word. The problem is this, the problem mm -hmm. is that, and I, and I think about the arc of what Jess was talking about, starting with, with Oxycontin and mm -hmm. that spiraling into yeah. our current problem. Um, when I bought this building across the street in 93, mm -hmm. and at that time, House of Charity was right across the street. And it was fine. I, it was never a problem. I can't recall any problems from resulting from the house of charity being right yeah. here. It was kind of a soup kitchen vibe and it was, you know, folks down their luck. You didn't see the things you're seeing today. The, yeah. the, the traffic in and out of an institution like that appears to me to be far different than, than it was then <laughs> 30 years ago. So, so that begs the question, is it really a homeless problem or is it a drug problem? It's a drug problem. So that's, that's the 100%. answer. Um, that's, I mean, we, we've always had homelessness. We mm -hmm. were always going to have it to some extent. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think, I think you'd be foolish to think otherwise, but yeah, that is the point I'm making is like the complexion of the problem has changed drastically. Yeah, It's still kind of in the same box, but we're not, you know, what we're seeing today is, is a, is a much bigger monster than we had back then. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such a, an important point that 
we have this shorthand, we say that it's homelessness and it's yeah. not. I mean, it's like we're describing the shore break, not the ocean. Yeah. You know, yeah. what what we're seeing is crime. And so, you know, if someone mm. if if a politician says they want to be tough on crime, um, that that is uh, you know, we we should treat criminals in a with law enforcement. We should treat drug addiction with uh, treatment. Mm-hmm. But um, you're, a homeless person is far more likely to be the the victim of a crime than a criminal themselves. Yeah. Um, the people we're talking about are a froth of um, of you know this this much larger problem. And how many years did it take us to get to this point of the problem? It might take that many to solve it. The impatience that we have sometimes. Um, but that, that doesn't change the fact there are these really small things we can do. It's amazing what a clean block does. It's mm-hmm. amazing what police presence will do. Yeah. Um, you know, what, why the, I love that the police has, have, um, a commitment to neighborhood, um, policing centers, but why is there not also a mobile policing mm-hmm. center that you park right there? You know, yeah. That you go to the problem. Yeah. You go to the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, I live in West Central and West Central was considered high crime. It's an amazing neighborhood to be in. Yeah. Police there, you, you know, you can pop in and show your report card and get stickers. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's the having police presence in a problem area is a really quick, efficient, effective way, um, you know, to solve something. They, they should have one mobile police precinct that, pops up when there's a problem area. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, I think that's a, that's a start. Maybe it does. You know, I was just in Seattle yesterday and I rode the, the light rail back mm-hmm. down to the airport and, uh, in Seattle proper looked, I was down at Pioneer Square, uh, saw Mariners game. Yeah. Didn't really see too much. Uh, you get on that, you get on that light rail and, and it takes yeah. you through some neighborhoods and it's like, Oh, they just, it just, got pushed out to other mm-hmm. areas. Well, and, and I think having and, a mobile police and, unit will probably do the same thing. It's not going to eliminate somebody, somebody who's after a particular drug is going to find a way to, to get it, to oh, get it. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And will exist pretty much anywhere in the and, pursuit of that. And Seattle's third and was it third and Pike is now our second in division. And yeah. It's, it has moved out. They have cleaned up pioneer square and you're right. It pushes it somewhere else. Yeah. There's, um, there's a TJ max, I think, or a Ross mm-hmm. a couple blocks from yeah. Pike place market. And I, same thing, wandered around all day. And, and then I thought, well, I'll just walk back through the city to, to where I was staying. And I hit this block and it was so bizarre everybody it was like walking into to kill a mockingbird like or not to kill a mockingbird but uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest like everybody's wandering around with their heads down and and it just looked like an insane asylum um and they were all at some phase of having taken or withdrawing from this drug and so their their moods are different and it was just it was surreal it is a zombie it's a zombie nation where i mean it went People in that state of mind are very zombie-like. So is it more help? They just don't run as fast. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and it is. They don't. (laughs) And fentanyl is something like a hundred times more powerful than morphine. Oh, yeah. More addictive is more, um, you know, it, 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 this is really a different drug that we're dealing with. And, Mm. and so alongside that, you do need, you know, uh, 
an increase in inpatient treatment going along with, you know, mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many things that need to be done um, that it can be sort of overwhelming. And we can just then react to someone saying, well, lock, lock them up or do this or do that. And that and those simple solutions, I think, only exacerbate. The, yeah. Well, and that is the question that I was pronged. I was going to ask, is there a way to actually get um, the forced help for some of the people because at the end of the day when you're in the thralls of uh, addiction like that you don't want to stop being thrown in jail only probably makes it worse right but is there a hey you have a choice you smoked crack in front of a or whatever it is fentanyl in front of a five-year-old that was trying to buy his school shoes at nike downtown we're going to arrest you but we're going to give you an opportunity to get help is that the 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 bigger ask of our politicians? Build more resources for actually getting them help, not just locking them up and you know forcing the withdrawal. And then just as soon as they get out, they're going to want to go right back to it because they haven't been given the tools to combat it. Yeah. I'm no expert, but I would imagine the price tag on that plan is going to be really hard to sell mm-hmm. uh, because. You know, just but the, I mean, how much more of, expensive than jail is it? I don't know. Mm. Well, how but jail's not cheap. Yeah, and yeah. How effective. I mean, these yeah. are really addictive drugs. It's again the uh, there are experts in those fields. I I trust them. You know, the Purdue Pharma, which made OxyContin, yeah. settled for what four billion dollars. That's going to go to every state or six billion, something like that. It doesn't even begin. No. Scratch the surface. It's, and who produces the fentanyl drug? I mean, that's a street drug. It's, oh, it is. Yeah, okay. Pretty easy to make. Um, mm. but it, and it's coming from, <laughs> yeah, over, you know, from, I know Mexico, they have yeah. been talking a lot yeah. about the, yeah, it's, uh, okay. again, it, you, you can sort of work yourself into circles, but there are pieces of the thing I think you can buy. I think you can bite off and you can make, um, you can make commitments to not, you know, uh, to you, you can see bad policy. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Are, are people going to walk three miles down to a center on Trent? Um, is pushing it that far out going to work? If so, mm-hmm. is there a way to provide, you know, resources, transportation, all mm-hmm. the things that, that, that a place like that would need? If not, why are we investing in it? Yeah. You know, um, I, I think in some ways, bad policy in, in this complex thing is easier to see than good policy. Cause yeah. it's really easy to see what isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And I see it as a business owner downtown, um, in multiple locations, I see who's protecting us, who's protecting the people that pay the taxes that show up to work, that follow all the laws. Um, you know, Dan, m- m- myself, uh, you know, you work downtown, but, mm-hmm. but we're, we're paying our property taxes and all these things. And then we keep building more of, of these issue area facilities closer to our businesses, forcing our clients to not want to come in. Mm-hmm. We have clients that just say, Hey, can we just meet on site? We really don't want to try and get into your office. Yeah. Um, well, the, and, per- the perception and the reality are, are, are not good. You know, the, the yeah. perception is it's going to be, it's going to be uncomfortable for me to go downtown. Yeah. Is, is, is real. Yeah. Well, when they get and, down here, it may or may not be the case, but, 
uh, there's a good chance it will be the case. And, 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 and we met because of the door that we had designed and built at Nudo. That's how we first met. Mm-hmm. And it was this great wall of glass that opened on, on pistons and, and kind of hung out over the, opened up the whole rest. We can't do that anymore because they literally just walk in if it's open and start grabbing food off people's plates. And then almost like egging them on to say something it's, it's, you know, and that's not fair to, to the employees that work at Nudo. Um, that's not fair to our customers that come into Nudo. Um, but I also get it. It's not fair that those people are starving. So it is this, Hmm. this, it is this circle and, and, you know, so I live, uh, um, in West central above the river Uh and, um, there's just so much camping going on. Oh yeah. But you know, and similarly you're walking on a trail, you come around a corner, someone's smoking, um, yeah. fentanyl. Um, and but, you have kids. Yeah. 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 There are also, but there are also tents that are really well kept that are, um, where I see there's one guy who goes around and picks up other people's mm. garbage, you know, mm. um, there are, and, and I have one neighbor who, who, goes out, seeks them out and makes them part of the community. You're, you're going to live in a tent below my house. Um, I'd love it. If you picked stuff up, if you need water, it's right here. And, wow. you know, and I admire that because we, you know, again, there, there's a huge homelessness issue that is the wave behind that froth. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a, something that every neighborhood feels every park um, has 12 motorhomes parked in it at night. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, and that, so there is a, there's a larger issue that again, goes back to that sense of community that Dan was talking about. You put people who care about the property in and you demand that. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, again, I don't know, you know, when someone grabs food off your plate, um, that, you know, what do you do with that? That, you know, that there's a certain asocial behavior that, but, um, but I, I find myself, you know, if I can trying to engage that, engage people in the sense of community. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, I don't, I don't think we solve the problem. I don't think we, I don't think anyone that I've ever talked to or even read yeah. has some A solution, some aha solution. Like yeah. Do this. What I, what I feel is that the, the pieces we have in place today are archaic our police mm-hmm. department, our fire department, our political climate, yeah. climate, the, or just the mentality, the, the resources like the house of charity and others, union gospel. To me, it seems like they're operating mm-hmm. in a 1952 mentality in 2023 mm-hmm. and it's not working. It's not working. I don't, you know, that the first thing I see is like, maybe we rethink, so I've, I've watched firsthand how how a, how a call gets responded to. You know, you call nine one. This one comes down. The cops show up. The, the fire department shows up. A dozen people are there for one person who's maybe ODing, maybe not. Yeah. And yeah. and you can tell they're deflated. They didn't they didn't sign up for this. This is not the dream job that they that they had envisioned when they when they went through their training, whatever that was. I feel like the thing to look at, like we're not going to solve this, but I think we can deal with it better. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that we could do today is like back to accountability and responsibility. If you're going to have resources here that, that invite, because 
I know we have people from other cities here. For sure. This isn't absolutely. These, are, these aren't people who grew up in Spokane Valley and now are roaming the streets. They're the, and I think there are studies that would support that. Absolutely. So if you're gonna if you're gonna take donation dollars from whomever and you're gonna set up uh, a facility to do good, which I'm all for, there should be a necessary percentage of your budget to be devoted to managing that population mm-hmm. that you attract. Yeah. That's that's one thing we could do. I think we could re rethink how our fire department operates and the police department to better deal with this because we're not we're not going to eliminate it. Mm-hmm. This is decades in the making. It's going to be decades to to reverse it in any in any way. But I feel like just rethinking how we're operating through these charities, how we're operating through our public services, will go a long way in, in helping us to like yeah just just to exist downtown because it's getting unmanageable it's yeah. getting i'm losing tenants mm-hmm. like just for the same reason you have clients who don't want to come down here it's 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 not savory it's not so and it's the same reason that we as a company are looking for the safety of our employees we're looking at building a building in um another city in liberty lake and 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 I swore back in 2010 that I would help be a part of the solution and I would and I would put buildings downtown or I would run businesses out of buildings downtown because I don't know who said it, but somebody said you are only as strong as your core downtown area. Like a community is only as strong. If we don't have a downtown, we're not really a city anymore. Um, and, and we need this downtown. We need the community aspect of downtown. Um, and so I think, I think it's important that we do hold the people accountable and what you both said the other day was brilliant about the allocation of the money that we're donating to these companies or these nonprofits. We need to start demanding that it be used for both helping the, the people that need the hand, but also helping the neighborhood that it's affecting. Because look at the, the busiest Starbucks in Spokane for how many years had to go out of business because House of Charities built three buildings around them. I now, I don't by that really... building last night at six o'clock and there were no less than a dozen people under that awning as it rained. Yeah. And, and all their stuff was and it's just like that used to be a going concern. And I don't care about Starbucks losing a location. Like, let's be clear. But I do care if it was a local business or a local business owner that was affected that much, like that's their livelihood and their employees livelihood. And so, so something has to, has to give on, on that front, in my opinion, Uh, and your idea of 25% of all funds donated to Catholic charities going to the management of the neighborhood it affects, I think is incredibly fair. Um, I read a piece in the Inlander a couple of weeks ago dealing with all this. And, mm-hmm. and I think there was, I don't recall who, but one of the directors of one of the institutions might have been House of Charity. Mm-hmm. Been, uh, seemed like they were denying that, that they're attracting a problem. Like, like this, these aren't, these aren't our people. And I, I there's, and, and I'm reading this and thinking, how can you say that? Yeah. You know, when that's, that, that is, you know, pure I, denial. I, don't, I think to deny that is, is absurd. Yeah. It, it is clearly that's disrespectful to act like we're that stupid. You know, it's like seeing a hummingbird at a hummingbird feeder site and say, well, yeah. it's not our hummingbird. I just put sugar water in there. I didn't, know. you know, I have a, a good friend of mine that has a national uh, news show. Um, 
she was on Good Morning America for years, and now she has uh, uh, Morning in America with Adrian Bankert. And she texted me at like five in the morning three or four weeks ago and said, hey, we're doing a story right now on Seattle having the, the All-Star game. And I, I thought of you because it said they were shipping them to Spokane that people were rounding up all of the homeless people the week prior to the all-star game so that Seattle looked better on national TV hmm. um, and that they were going to Spokane. And I said, well, I think that's a problem that um, Seattle has been doing for a long time and, and other communities do as well. Um, they just send people like, like that's solving their problem. Um, and it just, at the core, when you really think about it, it's just filthy and horrible that they're doing this to a human being. Um, and uh, so to hear that didn't surprise me, but but that's a reality and that's how- Who's they, who was doing that? that so, sounds like a sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just have to believe that that mayor of Seattle driving, <laughs> picking up homeless well, is people. It, is man. it, is it business owners? Is it, you know, um, I mean, how, I, is I, it the police giving I, them I, bus I tickets? I don't find it a, pr a particularly um, easy uh, population to move. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd love to see one of those bus yeah. tickets, but that sounds so unlikely to me again, traveling around and, and also seeing, you know, there are probably homeless people in Post Falls right now and mm -hmm. drug addicts and drug addicts on the street. Again, I, I, I don't know that any place is pushing them elsewhere. I think um, they're driven by, you know, all sorts of different forces. Um, what also, services are available in what, what cities? Sometimes yeah. it's where your probation officer is or where you, you know, or... Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, and, and the idea that they're coming from elsewhere... Um, again, because the services are so great here, I, I, I don't know that that's the case. I know, um, Venice beach, California, um, f for years felt like a place that because, um, of a sort of counterculture hippie mm -hmm. vibe, mm -hmm. you could just go camp on the beach there and, and, you know, and buy your drugs right there. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, I, I, uh, if anyone thinks compassion is, the, is the, is the root cause of this. I think that's, um, I think that's kind of misguided thinking or mm -hmm. the ask, or this, the money being spent uh, correctly. Totally agree that um, Catholic charities needs to think about services. They built sisters Haven um, right below uh, um, Spokane falls community college mm. where there's not a grocery store, a bus stop. Yeah. And there are no services whatsoever for, um, a building devoted to single parents raising children without any mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. then it becomes the school's problem. Now, if your kids go to that school, then all the issues are going to these kids from this really. So without building yeah. the, um, so how that is an issue with housing first, if, if the services don't come along and I couldn't agree more that police and fire, um, has anyone been to a, um, to an emergency room? I mean, it is the, it's the front porch of a rehab center. Yeah, it is. And, and so we have, we do have these antiquated systems. You know, we don't have a department of somebody crapped on my lawn to yeah. call. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't have 
We're basic. not equipped to deal with this. No, and we're I, not. And so I think rethinking some of that stuff. We're looking at over right across the street at Dan's building, which housed um, uh, migrant and um, homeless workers in the early 1900s. And 50, 60,000 people lived in downtown hmm. Spokane. It was equipped. It had streetcars running through that took you to every neighborhood. Yeah. The key to solving downtown is is to really focus on making it a place people want to live, I yeah, think. And, absolutely. And if you do that to downtown, because I don't think, I'm not sure businesses are coming back in the way that they were before the pandemic. No, I don't think they're going to come back the same way. But I think if if the housing is created, yeah. new businesses will um, yeah. sprout. And, 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 and that's you'll have those the storefront businesses. You'll yep. have a you know, bigger grocery store. So I, I think, you know, again, devoting devoting your time and energy toward those things um, and, you know, jailing people, pushing them out, pushing them to other cities. Uh, it's nice to think that will solve it. I, it, it, oh, it I don't it think that really solves solve it. The, the drug crisis, no. you know, it, uh, I think that, but, but I think for downtown Spokane, I think um, the key in some ways it is looking to the past, looking to what it was that made this a place where people wanted to live downtown. Yeah, I, 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 if you look at current trends, mm -hmm. you know, you look at, uh, off office vacancies, for instance, yeah. as one of them, you look at retail rentals yeah. as one of them. You look at just the way commerce is done today. I don't see the office situation coming back. I don't see yeah. retail coming back like it was. Well, everything's see, online. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's a different world. We're Zoom living in meetings. So, and so teams. the same thing we're you know looking at our police department, our fire department, our, there's a whole lot of things that have changed and it's changed rapidly, but it's been a drastic change. And I think uh, to Jess's point, you know, I don't think we solve this problem. I do think we, we can handle it a lot better. And I think that looks like just having, you know, all this will be so much better if we can get more folks living down mm -hmm. here. Uh, just that presence will, there'll be, there'll be, you know, just to your point about your neighbor, um, saying, Hey, well, if you need water, here's some yeah. water, that, that spirit, uh, could be a huge step in at least making things better. It doesn't eliminate the problem. I don't think the problem goes away. I think it's going to be here for our lifetimes for sure. Yes, absolutely. Beyond, but I think we can handle it so much better just by having increased presence, retooling our whole mentality, retooling all of our services to better deal with it. If, if you're a property owner in this city, um, and I've been saying this for years and the, the building we're in now, when they, when they renovated this building, um, hmm. I advocated at the time for some housing in here because I've, I've seen firsthand the benefits of yeah. having 24 hour presence yep. in a particular space. Uh, that didn't happen. I'm, and I, but I think that's the direction this is headed. I think we're going to see. Uh, nationwide, we're going to see a lot of these office spaces and retail spaces converted to something more meaningful today. Absolutely. So that's, that's, I think the best we can probably do at this point is just to, to kind of look at these trends and do what we can to, to better assist. Yeah. I, I should ask, like, was that the inspiration for your, your space on Maine? Like, like to create living and then create a like, I mean, it's almost like a mini 
what Kindle Yards did. Like it has the business <laughs> on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, very, very micro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but like but on the way up the elevator, we said this street and Kindle Yards feel the best in Spokane. Mm. And you created what you created was community. Yeah. You know? Uh, Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, you're so what was the question? <laughs> it was more like, I mean, you, I mean, that's what you created across the street. Like what you were saying that they should have maybe created here in the community building. And it's funny. Like I would talk to someone. I, when I moved here, I moved out of the downtown core with the business, the business district or whatever. And, and I was like, Oh, I'm moving over here. Like I'll still be in the bid. And the person, the representative there like, Oh, actually this isn't in the bid. And I was just like, no, what? This isn't in the bid. Like that doesn't make any sense. And she was like, well, because when we created the bid back in the nineties, this wasn't a place we would want to have a desirable, in the, a desirable no, place. We were, in the yeah, bid. We, were, we were left out <laughs> of a lot of things like that. <laughs> district wouldn't yeah. want to improve right. neighborhoods. They right. just want to maintain and hang flowers. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have a big problem with the, the boundaries of that. But so my question was like, was that the inspiration when you were creating that space was to create this mixed work, live, stay? Uh, I'd, like, I'd love to tell you that I have this <laughs> genius plan. And right. I'm, I'm going to change the world. And I've got the, the level of intelligence to, to have the foresight. I just wanted a place where I could hang out. And yeah paint some paintings and have a cup of coffee. So that's what I did. I mm. built the coffee shop first and then I built four apartments because mm. that's what I wanted. And it, it just turns out that it kind of happened to be uh, the right thing at the right time. And it, and it started to kind of snowball, mm -hmm. um, extremely lucky. Uh, so, so, so does that answer your question? Well, yeah, no, I mean, it does. So I, I was, it, we, we were, that was already in place when, uh, Jim Sheehan bought this building. Right. And, but I think uh, I want to ask about the, the, the history of downtown, especially specifically in the nineties. Cause I mean, I don't I mean, I'm 40 years old and I don't, I only remember going down to river park square, like the proper old river park square and like Crescent court and like going to Eddie Bauer and all those places. And, and, <laughs> and, but like, we never, Ooh. I never ventured out into any other places, but like, what was, the downtown core like then and how did it change to what it is became in like the mid 2000s and now like now it's just like it seems like if you're saying it is a cycle and we are in a cycle then like is this just like the lull and we're gonna it's gonna get better but it's just gonna be longer now like i'm i i mean i, I can remember in the 1980s because i worked at the spokesman review and we mm. finished work and we would go to um uh the bars on that and affinities um, and flarities um, or flarities and um, anything with an irish name right yeah <laughs> and uh and if and if the eight people you knew weren't there evil being one then of them. you walked all the way through a mostly empty Seriously. downtown to the other end of downtown and, and to see if they were at the red lion or henry's pub or mm. you know there were just so few places yeah. and you walk past these every time you walk by um a parking lot in downtown spokane know that there was a vibrant building filled with people there mm. yeah um, every one of those parking lots was a beautiful old building um that maybe had a you know a car business on the first floor in apartments yeah and so you walked through this city that you felt 
was vibrant and and it was in the early 1900s you know um you and you walked through sort of the ghost town version of that Mm -hmm. um and so you know and if you wanted ethnic food it was the mustard seed that's what passed for ethnic food. yeah (laughs) and so the improvements even now you can feel there are some pockets of downtown but um, I still go come downtown and find, you know, vibrant restaurants. I find, you know, I, I joke that I, I'm so old in Spokane that I, um, to have to make a restaurant reservation or park more than a block <laughs> from the restaurant I, I go to throws me off still. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I still think we, when we complain about the state of some parts, some pockets now and and some real challenges that downtown faces, we also have to look at this incredible improvement. Um, mm-hmm. Blocks like this, um, you know, due to Dan, Jim Sheehan, due to, you know, people who really have taken an interest. So I, mm. I do think we're, we still have one of the better downtowns. And I hear people say that when they come, they're mm-hmm. really impressed with what we have, which means we're not, starting from base one, we're solving problems in a thing that I think has improved greatly. Mm. Which I think we've all decided is more a uh, current drug issue than, um, than really anything else. I mean, I do think homelessness is, is again, we talked about this the other day. You, if your property value went up in Spokane and it did, mm-hmm. um, at that same time that nothing new was being built, yeah we all benefited in a way from this incredibly tight market that has, has priced a whole lot of people out. Mm, Now, you know, the guy, um, you know, the guy sleeping on the street, who's stoned, I'm not saying, you know, that he was looking for an apartment, but, um, but that again, is just, it's just the tip of this thing. And, and so, so it is, we do still have a, a big homelessness problem that contributes to it. Sir. Which I think if, if we were able to help combat the, the drug issue, our services wouldn't be so overwhelmed for the people that really yeah. do want help. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I'm taking away from this um, more than anything. Have you seen the small house neighbor, tiny house neighborhoods in Seattle? Yeah. Um, I think they're kind of fascinating because again, they give you that sense of ownership and cleaning Mm -hmm. up your space and wanting your neighbor to have a cleaner space. I didn't venture into camp hope um, when it was there. And I know I didn't either. I know people who worked at the, um, is it a Fred Meyer or a target on uh, Fred Meyer, Fred Meyer there. I know someone who worked there who just, it sounded horrible. Yeah. People coming in and shoplifting, but within that place, there were also people who, still develop that sense of community. And I still feel like um, those are the people we can help and we can, you know, um, reach and finding something for them, tiny space for them to be proud of Mm -hmm. finding Mm -hmm. low income housing, finding middle-class housing. Um, Everything is, you know, we, we, we have a dearth in that center. Yep. Uh, What is, what is a starter home now? How do you even identify? It doesn't exist anymore. What's a, what's an affordable apartment look like? Yeah. It's, it it doesn't exist. I think building all that stuff in the middle and the lower edges um, and it, and if I have a piece of property, of course I, um, you know, McMansion's going to bring me more money. Um, but it's not uh, going to solve any problem. Buy a building, Jess? Uh, <laughs> do you have one? No, <laughs> it's a deal I make you, sir. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, East Valley pricing. Yeah. East you know, Valley pricing. yeah, I, I the, the more we talk about this, I, I come back to the same thing. And to, to your point, uh, uh, I have no doubt at this point seeing you know 30 years of kind of watching and and being the waves 
I think that 100% getting more housing downtown mm. is, I, yeah, is I couldn't agree more. Not the answer, but it is probably the the most immediate and most effective thing we can do to to deal with it. Yeah. And that was true then and it's true now. And and <laughs> we're going to have a lot of vacancies. Um uh, and, and, and I think that's the direction if there's any battle cry for for anybody creating policy, any battle cry for a property owner down here that that wants to gear themselves for the future, get some some housing, get some some multifamily <laughs> Yeah, you only have to go as far as as searching for an apartment in Spokane um, to see the um, how bad we're lacking um, different levels, um, and and we're really lacking lower end. Um, how do I say this? Not lower end, but affordable mm -hmm. for someone who you know maybe has a sick spouse and they are the only one that can work and they've got two kids and and they need to get back on their feet to spend 2500 2800 dollars a month on rent so that your three kids can share a room um that's not that's not affordable um and i think that's what people are running into right now um is that that price range um so I'd love to see, you know, the rid path had this, this grand idea and it, and it didn't seem to work out. And, um, and again, I think it was, you know, right across the street from where they tore the Mohawk building down, which would have been a fantastic apartment building. Um, and now it's a, a parking lot, not paying taxes because if you don't have a building on it, you don't have anything to tax apparently. Hmm. So I go back to your, your comment about japan and there you know the longer something sits the more you're going to pay in taxes for it until you do something uh, productive for the community so um yeah glad we solved it it's over, it's over. <laughs> I feel, i'm going to the starbucks to on second and getting a coffee <laughs> <laughs> it's um be well well let me let me say um as we do kind of wind this down we are going to try um as we get our uh, social media set up and stuff over the next few months, we're going to try to put together a group of volunteers. And one of the things that I said when I went back to the office and bitched and moaned that day um, after this bid board meeting uh, regarding the expansion of the bid board, I was complaining and I said, okay, I have to do something about it. Well, my dad, um, much smaller scale, Post Falls, he and three friends built the Post Falls Community Volunteers originally to help a teacher that um, had uh, was going through cancer and her insurance wasn't covering everything and her and her husband were going to lose everything. And so they went and raised a bunch of money. And then they said, well, you know, Mrs. Jones needs uh, a ramp because she's in a wheelchair now and, and let's go build a ramp. And, and this snowballed. And now I think there's 675 members and um, the, the amount that they raise and the things that they do for the community is, is pretty insane. Um, we would like to build something on a small scale to just see how we can help. So when someone does say, well, you know what, if you want third Avenue clean, why don't you come on Saturday and grab a trash bag? Okay. I'm fine doing that. Um, but things like that, uh, they get done much easier when you do it as a community and you get 15, 20, 30 people. You saw Dan, when, when Sprague Avenue 
um, kind of started its rebirth over by Napa. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we spent a Saturday and Sunday there as HDG, as, as a company painting storefronts, cleaning up the surrounding two blocks on both sides. Um, and there were probably 125 people uh, throughout the day that came to do that. So people are willing to help, but a lot of people need somebody to nudge them and tell them what to do. I'm typically one of them. Like, hmm. you know, I, I just kind of run through my life and, and do my thing and stay, you know, busy and selfish until someone says, can you please help? Hmm. And here's hmm. how you can do it. So that's something we're going to do. And that means we're going to reach back out to you at some point and ask you to join this, this group of, you know, just community members, not, not just as a business owner or, you know, a local, um, you know, celebrity God, can I call you a God? <laughs> I don't think you can. I can't, <laughs> I will never call you a God again. I apologize. One of us will burst. Into <laughs> I, think uh, I don't know if knocking on wood's going to help anything, but, um, that's that's something that we are going to try and do and I, I, I love watching the river keeper river, yeah river cleanup that's, yeah mm. that's a real just straightforward community simple thing. and um and it makes a difference and you talk you were talking about how much you like kendall yards we always have to remember that's part of a larger neighborhood west mm -hmm. central absolutely which had the um you know one of the lowest uh, per capita incomes had um all sorts of housing issues and the the um, the way those two neighborhoods engage with each other, mm -hmm. um, enriching one, bringing services to another. I mean, I do think, I, I think there's, a, we talk a lot about diversity, but economic diversity is so important. Mm -hmm. Being able to incorporate lower income people, not trying to push them somewhere else, but making them part of the community. Um, again, I, I don't pride, right? Yeah, right. And I, and I think I, I, I can envision a downtown that does that and a whole lot of empty retail spaces and, um, mm. you know, and places that, um, where I, I, I could imagine that, you know, in a way that's not going to be perfect. It's not going to solve mm -hmm. every problem. We, none of us knows how to solve, yeah. but, um, but man, what a step that would make. What a, what a great vibrant you know, downtown, it would be if, if we can keep taking those steps. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, taking all that in Jess, it's, and just what you spoke about, Josh, about kind of, uh, having some sense of direction. Mm -hmm. I, I believe at least in my own mind, there'd be a sense of paralysis, uh, cause you don't know what to do. You don't, it's, it's yeah. an immense yeah. problem. Doing nothing isn't going to help. I think trying something, doing something, just taking a first step, even though it might not be the best step or yeah. necessarily. At least you're failing forward. Yes. Yeah. I think just getting engaged in some fashion will probably lead to a better step. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I understand that feeling of like helplessness and paralysis and like, oh my God, this is, this is huge. And it's, it's not something that's going to be solved in the next election cycle it's it's going to be with us for a long time yeah that that shouldn't keep us from from trying yeah in some fashion well i think we can all foresee that the the election cycle is going to be completely covered by everyone saying that they're going to have a way of solving this problem right <laughs> um which I think they ran on last time as well and nothing's changed. So certainly not. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, Dan, I know you own an, another building on Riverside that I, 
I think you're remodeling or revitalizing. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, and I'm curious to know, like, do you have other, I mean, I know you owning properties across Spoke, downtown Spokane, like, do you have visions for other spaces that you're creating and how, what you'd like them to be? Or like, I know that's a big part of like creating, you know, culturally, cultural, ugh, culturally revi- vibrant places in Spokane. Like, and it helps, it does help having those spaces like this i'm glad you asked that because you know josh plugged nudo a couple times just plugged his book i think we all plugged his books (laughs) (laughs) uh so the the, i think you're referring to the jensen bird properties on riverside which is just south of the grand hotel yep Mm -hmm. so it's this kind of beautifully sited central location with with a lot of things that uh hold great potential for something wonderful. So we're currently uh, in a over a year now in talks with Terrain mm-hmm. to give them a permanent home. Oh. So if if the pieces and Ginger Ewing and, and, and Jackie that run yeah. Terrain yeah. Uh, are working feverishly right now to, to to marshal support and funds and monies to to make the dream come true. So if and I should mention my brother Russ Spaulding, mm-hmm. who who was uh a huge part of this and and shown great faith and and vision in getting involved mm. uh god bless him. also a steward of of making the community better yeah for sure yeah russ is terrible poker player is he not very good yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he looks right. way he too nice to be good at yeah. poker no, he'll, he'll bluff he'll he's all right just, uh, <laughs> so to get so all this to say that uh, <laughs> if if you know, the wheels stay on that particular buggy. We, you know, hopefully we have an amazing, we have, uh, uh, terrain has actually engaged, uh, an outfit called sound diplomacy mm. and they've done projects like this around the world mm-hmm. to great success. So we have, a you know, a, uh, an outfit out of London who's, who's doing some studies for us and some, you know, uh, putting pieces together, trying to come up with this, um, kind of perfect central hub of all things art and cultural that will be right in the center yeah. of the city. Well, that will include some measure of of housing, residential, some work retail, spaces, some, some live workspace, some retail, some just a little bit of everything. We got yeah. many many little city like an aircraft carrier right in the middle of our town. So huh. an arts aircraft carrier, which will help <laughs> everyone take off. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, this, this, that's what the studies show. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, the investment in this type of thing will directly and indirectly help with the problems we've discussed here today. It, will, it, you know, it absolutely the presence, does. The, mm. Just and the. And I, I loved what you said about doing nothing. Obviously, it doesn't. But so then what is the first step? And the first step is what you've done through downtown, which is envisioning what you want. Mm-hmm. I want a yoga studio. I want a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I want a little grocery store. Mm-hmm. Do you know how I mean, hard it is to get a casino down here? <laughs> <laughs> there was yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I do remember. You Just see. don't invite Russ, apparently. Yeah, and, the, and the dealer's dressed like Marilyn Monroe. There used to yep. be one, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, what was yeah. it called? Maryland's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. And uh, but but I think it. Did you ever go there, Jess? Uh, I think I did. Uh, yeah. Envisioning <laughs> those things and then is really is the first step, you know. And I and I've always just thought this is an amazing canvas. This downtown, mm-hmm. um, great old buildings, beautiful um, architecture in Spokane, beautiful architecture, ridiculous. And, yeah, and just let's just 
play. You know? Yeah. Let's just put in, let's, let's get to work. Well, do well none of us absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do anything. Right. Like, or don't wrong let and... your building sit empty. Right. Take care of your buildings. Um, Dan and I own property adjacent to the corner of second in Washington, where there's just the, the, the most awful building that could be so amazing. And, um, yeah, but Arby's makes good money there. So. I know they do. <laughs> um, and Arby's just, Arby's. just having you do what you did yeah. and us, what we had done. And, and, um, you know, the wine shop just completely redid their whole exterior and, uh, the kitty corner building on third and Washington, um, where think tank is, they just redid that. There's like a couple little buildings still that, they just don't care. They need um, some accountability. They do need some accountability yes. and they're getting government money for the people that are staying in these buildings. Um, which and that's the to same me dynamic them, is applicable there. Like if you're going to take that money, which is you have that responsibility. I mean, for what they, what they receive and what the, the services they're it's, providing. It's, I'm, I hate to say it, but it's pretty slumlordy. It is very slumlordy. So, and, and I mean, I, I think that's I forget the guy's first name. So I don't ever want to say just yes. his last name. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it is. And it's disproportionate. It's, it's thousands and thousands of dollars per person to take them in. Um, and then the, it literally that you can smell as you pull up and park your car next to the building. You can smell the building. It's, it's awful conditions for these people, which makes them feel even more disconnected from humanity and that doesn't help them. So, um, I think we have to start holding those, those building and business owners responsible for actually taking care of their own shit and not expecting someone else to clean it up. Literally and figuratively. Figuratively is, is, is what I was going for, but literally yeah. some mornings I Human clean up Human feces is a common thing down yes. here now. And, and if you wait until noon, it's usually harder and easier to clean up, but, but Just we like can't those. wait at our office and they poop in our little vestibule. And you know how they have those little, uh, containers for Dog for the dog bags. Yeah, bags. We maybe we yeah. come up with there's a human something. Version. There's an inhumane thing to hand somebody. Go <laughs> shit in this man scat. <laughs> scat. I don't know. I do like that word. Um, <laughs> clean up your shit. Clean up your yeah. scat. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at holding people accountable. We're gonna hold ourselves accountable. We're gonna put in our effort. Um. And then hopefully people recognize as, as we all know, offices are going away and that can be replaced with housing, which will eventually build that vibrancy that we need to fill all those retail spaces that have gone away. And, um, and it's not like, this is such an entrepreneurial town. I mean, the, the things that start here are pretty amazing. Um, the people that have grown up here and created businesses in, in this town, uh, it's, it's insane what we have here. Um, and if, if you give people a safe place and, and a storefront, we're pretty fucking crafty. We'll, we'll make something work. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the future and it is always that roller coaster, right? And, and we have been kind of tumbling a little bit down and, and I do feel like we're on the up and, um, but it can't just be three or four people. It has to be a community. Um, and I do like the the Native American reference for owning a building and that you don't really own it. You are a steward of that building. And I think if more people thought you know, that way. Going back to Expo 74, we were just right. kids when that was like the coolest thing ever. And it and it was. It was an amazing uh, commitment, amazing undertaking by some 
really hardworking people hard put people together faster than any other yeah. in but, history. But I think it was in the U.S. Pavilion. They had a, a huge um, motto up on the wall, and it was, and it was lifted from a Native American thing. It says, um, the earth does not belong to man. Man belongs to the earth. Yeah. Uh, and I which. Elvis Costello says the same thing about music. You, know, you yeah. do not possess music; it possesses you. Yeah, and and I and I like that approach to all this stuff. It's like it's we 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 tend to think we're pretty pretty clever beings, but um, yeah. we're just beavers just chewing down trees and building dams and stopping up rivers. And hmm. you know, uh, at the end of the day, well, you know, you, you said it earlier we're going to blank and be gone. And what are we leaving for the next people that have their eyes open still, you know, what are we leaving? Um, and, and what are we saying about how we care about a community by leaving it certain ways? Hmm. And no one even brought up riverfront park until just now. Yeah. Like who else has a fucking park like that in the center of a, a community New York? in a downtown? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, and I think it's the same wasn't it the no? That was Manitou that was designed yeah, by the same architect. It's the same mentality. There was like, hey, but, let's let's make sure we leave a little uh, green belt here. Yeah, yeah. and we did a yeah. big All over one, the city. But, but, a really the, big one. Those people were looking at a post-industrial city in in the, in the late '60s, early '70s, yeah. and saying, what do we do with this tangle of railroad tracks? Um, you know, and this waste. You know, this. Um, we've we turned our back on the river, and to have an environmental exposition in spokane <laughs> in 1974 is hmm. so ahead of its yeah. time yeah you know that was the focus was and the you, environment you, you contrast that with uh in, Je in jess's book uh cold millions he talks about it's a historical novel yeah but uh contrast that with the 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 mode of getting rid of your trash yeah, at some point in Go 1909 ahead. they had, i was gonna tell but you tell it well they <laughs> um you would just take your garbage to the river and throw it in the river oh and, and then it would just be taken downstream um but then as the river fell, so ironic that the river fell in the summer then the, the bank started smelling like garbage so the they had this brilliant idea that wait they before would, that they would dynamite it right just well get... no that was later so then oh, so, so then they would put these they put these hatches in the middle of the bridge so you'd pull up with your wagon or your truck um open the hatch and that way you could dump it straight into the center of the river that the water would better. carry it down and the water that would carry it down but it started building up um after the falls you yeah. get this huge buildup of garbage and lumber and bricks and so they would dynamite it every few years um, just to blow it a little further downstream and have however many bodies bob up that have been oh trapped. Oh my god! So the the way in which the way in which early Spokane. This is what nineteen ten or whatever. 11. Yeah. Way early Spokane not only didn't appreciate this river at its heart, but you know abused it. Yeah. Um. You know that. So in in the seventies, to all of a sudden reverse that and say, no, we're going to make this river the centerpiece mm -hmm. and celebrate and, it, and we're still cleaning it up. Yeah, know? we're still cleaning up the mining tailings and the industrial. <laughs> yeah, everything from the Silver Valley. Right. And again, these are problems. If they take fifty years to, um, you know, if, if we still have to address mm, them. Right. What is that saying? Um, something. Um, I would have like the greatest author of all time and and botch a great saying. Um the a great man is one who plants a tree of which the shade he will never sit in yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Please fix it for no, me. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. Like that's what the 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 standard of a good human being yeah. is someone that really does for others and and isn't doing for themselves, yeah. right? Um so yeah, 50 years down the road, that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop cleaning no, it because no, it's no. going to take that long. No, and because we won't enjoy it, but right. we will because we'll know we left something and we can, better. And we can make really we can make really impactful um decisions and uh and actions now we yeah. really can mm-hmm. yeah i will say like i'll kind of we can kind of end it around here is like i what gives me hope is i was walking this is not made up it sounds like it's very made up and contrived uh but i was walking from sushi.com back to my studio with my son who's seven years old the other night oh. and he turned to me and he I said uh dad i I just love Spokane, downtown Spokane. And, uh, and that gives me hope. And, and so like giving that to my son and like makes me very passionate. And I just like, this is like, Spokane means so much to me and it obviously means so much to you all. And when you say something like that, like that's what I hope that I'm giving my kids. So I just had two friends from San Francisco here and they were like, do people know about this? This is incredible. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. So I think I, 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 again, uh, fixing these problems, let's realize we're, we're starting from a better point than, than we were certainly years ago. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely cleaned up the trash. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and yeah, music, culture, food, mm. Art. art yeah the city has improved in every way since i've been here i mean except for the writing what a yeah you can't have a it's, a sh- it's a shame yeah. i don't think anyone mentioned esquire's book of the year a couple yeah. years ago too um you know and, mm. and well it like a literal honor to have both of you here um dan i consider you one of my uh better friends and and the respect that I hold for you is, um, I think pretty obvious. Um, you are the sounding board for me when I have, uh, any conundrums in my life that have to be like any decisions that I have to make, um, are bounced off you. And and I appreciate that friendship, but I also appreciate you being willing to come here and, and talk because I know that's not something you totally enjoy, at least not as much as Jess. I mean, you know, um, so thank you. Very much. Thank and you. It's, I think it's great you. to great to to yeah. kind of you know through discussion you kind of start to get some concepts cemented. And well, I think just the the I think the idea of just let's do something. Yeah. Anything if, and 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 right. Yeah. If not now, if not when? Now, like yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. We, we right don't want to pass this buck. We don't yeah. want to kick the can down the road. Um, we need to do something now. And and it's funny because you said this the other day. Um, I said, let's meet for coffee beforehand. And you said, well, we should just bring the microphones there because that's where we really solve our problems every day or when we get together is just having a conversation because mm. doing nothing is the fastest way to fail. Um, not talking about things is another way to just, you know, perpetuate it or, or, or uh, you know. Well, we all have a hundred things we'd rather do with our Friday mornings. I don't. Well, you know, probably <laughs> no. more enjoyable things in terms. Yes, of, you know, absolutely. Uh, but it, it's 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 a good reminder. Yeah. Of a lot of things, and I think I think we we've, we've covered that. I won't repeat yeah. all that. But I yeah. Let's if not now, then when? Let's do absolutely. something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, fellas. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of If Not Now, When. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights in helping make our downtown Spokane a thriving and vibrant community. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is essential in helping us reach more listeners. To stay updated on upcoming episodes and engage with our community, follow us on social media. You can find us by searching If Not Now When Podcast. Remember, positive change begins with action, and together we can create a brighter future for our downtown Spokane. Because if we don't do it now, then when will we? Until next time, keep the conversation alive, stay engaged, and find an actionable way to make a difference in your community. Thank you again for being a part of If Not Now, When.